We are starting our study of 1 Corinthians, and I believe this study is extremely important for the modern church today, because Paul, as he is dealing with the problems that he found in the church of Corinth, they are similar to problems we see, we can see in modern churches. Uh, some of the, the same difficult issues, some of the moral issues, some of the, the root problems, which I will get into in the, the next se session or so. And they're the, the same type of struggles. And so modern churches need to hear these messages. Modern Christians need to hear the and understand this book of 1 Corinthians. Another similarity between Corinth and the modern church is that Corinth had the similar environment that we experience here in American churches. Uh, Corinth was a wealthy place. It was a place of, of merchants, of merchandise. And so they were, they were consumed by the things of this world, like uh, American churches and many American Christians can fall into that where they're so focused on this world. Uh, they, uh, Corinth had a large venue for athletic events, and they had several theaters for entertainment, and people focused on that a lot. There was also, the city was also a place of immorality and worshiping everything except the, the true God. And so Paul had to address this problem in this church of Corinth, and, and the church of Corinth thought, they were a superior church, and, and Paul had to correct that attitude and say, no, there's all these problems, and they must be addressed. And so Paul, as he starts out here in, in 1 Corinthians, he in the first three verses, he has to tell us as Christians who we are in Christ and who we should follow. And so in verse 1, Paul, Paul says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother. Paul first asserts his apostleship. An apostle is one that is called to do a certain job. And to the apostle's job was to lay the foundation for all of us church leaders to follow. And so that's what he did. And he says, I was called to be an apostle by, um, by the will of God, through the will of God. It wasn't that he himself just thought himself to be so so good that he said, oh, I'm going to choose to be the apostle and you need to listen to me. But his apostleship was from God's authority. And he, he preached what God told him to preach as he, he, Paul was an expert in the Old Testament. He learned personally from, from Jesus. He also talked to the other apostles, Peter, and the other ones to confirm the message was what he should be speaking. And so here he is, and he is laying the foundation of the church, and the church at Corinth is questioning his authority because they were consumed with their own philosophy and their own wisdom, and they wanted Christianity to support their wisdom. And Paul says, no. What I am telling you is true, 
not because I made it up or it was, it was from my wisdom, but it's because he was an apostle through the will of God. And we need to uh, accept that authority as well and accept the authority of teachers that God places over us as long as they are being faithful and actually preaching God's word and not their own philosophy. And so Paul also references Sosthenes. And Sosthenes is probably the same person that's found in Acts chapter 18, a Corinthian Jew who uh, took Paul to the council and tried to get Paul persecuted and spoke out against him. But now Paul calls him our brother. And he was there in Ephesus, which is where Paul wrote this from. Uh, he is there with Paul and fellowshipping and serving with Paul. And Paul maybe brings up Sosthenes to show the Corinthians that Paul's message of the gospel changes people's lives and turns them into different people and people that that will honor God with their life. And, and so Sosthenes listened to Paul and is and has been changed and is a new person in Christ. And they need to listen to Paul as well. And then in verse 2, he says, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. He said the people were being Corinthians first and then being the church second. The church just means an assembly. The word church means an assembly. We gather together for a purpose. Now, they aren't gathering together in some, some sort of social club of Corinthians to live like the rest of the Corinthians. In verse 2, Paul says, you are the church of God. You belong to God. You need to answer to God. You need to, to be obedient to what he wants. And you need to understand what he wants. And you have to put him first. And that's where he continues here in verse 2. He says, to them that are sanctified. Uh, that word ha has to do with holiness or to be set apart. They're sanctified. They're made a new person in Christ. Christ died to, to forgive us of our sins, but he also died to allow us to be the righteous people that God wants us to be. And so we are sanctified. We are set apart because of the sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And now, as this new believer, we can live differently than the rest of the world. And we must live differently than the rest of the world. We're set apart, away from sin, apart from sin, apart from what the world values, and set apart to God and what he values. And so to them that are sanctified, called to be saints. Saint has, is the same root word as sanctified. It's, it's about holiness. And everybody who believes, every single believer is a saint. A saint is not a special type of believer who are super good believers. A saint is simply a Christian, one who has been made holy by Jesus Christ. And so we are now set apart from the world, away from the world, and set apart to God, and we have a new life in him. And so he's referring to, to the church, the people in the church who are to be holy and set apart. And he says at the end of verse 2, along with 
all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. We as, as churches are not individual clubs all over, uh, but we are part of something bigger. The church as a whole, all believers in Jesus are part of the church as a whole. And we are privileged to be a part of something. So we don't think of ourselves as superior or my church is better than your church or this or that. But we are all servants of Christ and we should be serving together. But we need to be serving. We need to make sure we're, we're serving faithfully according to God's word. And that's one of the areas where modern churches, you know, there's a problem there because there's a lot of churches today that do not preach the gospel accurately. They they twist the word of God to fit their own philosophy. But Paul reminds them that they belong to this larger group and they all need to be focused on Christ and on what he teaches and what he died for and the word that he gave, and we need to be focused on that. And so we, re- we need to remember who we are. But the Corinthians weren't living up to that. And I believe the church today, Christians today, are not living up to that new life that, that Christ died to give us. I think we need to, to do better than that. And so... <clears throat> Before Paul deals with the specific problems, though, he is going to offer them what he offers other churches and what we all have in verse 3, and then he is going to be thankful to God. Instead of of just digging right into the problems, he says, I can still be thankful to God for what God is doing in you. And so first in verse 3, He says, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, most New Testament books uh, start with these two things. But we shouldn't just look past it because it's repeated so often in the New Testament. We, We really need to dig into this and say, why does he start most New Testament books with this? Well, we obviously need these two things. Grace is God's favor given to us is we know as christians that we need grace to be saved that god's favor to get us saved that he worked in us so that we will be saved so that we'll trust in jesus as our savior but as christians we still need his grace and we still can't earn it grace is free and god gives grace which is often comes uh, as strengthening to to serve God properly or to live for God or to have victory over sin or all of these things, Paul says, grace be unto you. God's favor be shown unto you, not to free us from all problems or to give us a bunch of worldly possessions, but to help us to serve God properly. So grace be unto you and peace. Peace, we often might think of as uh, just a, an emotion or a feeling, but peace comes from having peace with God, the right relationship with God, because sin separates us from God. But because Jesus died to forgive us of our sins, we now 
have peace with God. We have a right relationship with him and we can have a right relationship with people around us as well. And so we have peace and we need to then use that peace with that relationship, the restored relationship with God and with others. We need to to be consumed by that relationship and we need to grow closer the, the creator God of the universe wants to have a relationship with you. But he does want you to, to forsake sin and to pursue him in this relationship. But he has so many great things for you to experience that this world can't understand because they're consumed by the temporary things of this world. But we have this relationship and we need to pursue it. And he will give us then Peace, and as in the right relationship, but also peace, the comfort of knowing that God is in control, that God is leading, that God is helping, that, that he's giving us grace to keep going in this world that often has troubles. And so leading from that, Paul goes right into his thanksgiving for how God is working in, in the church. And so in verse 4, he says, I thank my God always. On your behalf, for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. So he's first thankful that grace has been given, that they have access to God's grace at any time to strengthen them, to help them, to keep them going, to keep them serving, to keep them having victory over sin. Of course, as I said, grace starts at salvation, the, the free gift of grace that we can be saved, that we can trust in Jesus as our Savior have forgiveness of sin, have hope of eternal life with him. Because we have sinned, we don't deserve eternal life, but he gives it by his grace. But then that grace continues to work. And Paul is thankful for that. And we can be thankful for that as well. And then in verse five, that in everything ye are enriched by him, in all utterance and in all knowledge. See, God gives us the ability to know the truth and we're going to learn later in, in this book that, that unsaved people can't understand God's word. Maybe they can understand the facts of it, but they can't really understand it because it's spiritual. And uh, the words mean something, and we need to, to understand it by what is actually being said, but, but God illuminates the believer to truly understand what the word means and how it affects us and the wisdom that comes from it. And unsaved people can't experience that, but the Corinthians were able to have that knowledge. And then they were able to speak it as well, that in all utterance, or they were able to, to teach the word to others and were able to see others get saved as they were sharing the gospel. And so Paul is thankful that God has given them that ability. In verse 6, he says, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, uh, their salvation was genuine, and they shared their salvation experience with others who then were also saved. And so God gives us the grace to know his word. We can't just know it through our own human wisdom. We need his strengthening to even understand really what this is saying and then also his strengthening to tell others 
but he will give us that strength and he wants us to tell others so that they can have the hope that we have that this world isn't and this life isn't all that there is, but there's eternal life to look forward to. And that's where Paul goes next in verses seven through nine. Uh, not only thanksgiving for, for what they're experiencing in the past, but also in the future. And so in verse seven, so that ye come behind in no gift or they are lacking in no spiritual gift. So the Bible tells us in Romans and in this book that every believer has been given spiritual gifts, uh, gifts of various types of service where uh, gift of encouragement, gift of teaching, uh, gifts of just service, or uh, and then along with abilities to do certain things. It's God that gives us the ability to serve him, either to share the gospel or to, to encourage people or to be able to minister to them and, and help them out where, where they have various needs. And every one of us as Christians have been given spiritual gifts that we are supposed to use. And we'll talk about them later in, in, in this book where they the, the gifts have been given so that we could use them in service. And we need to find out what God has given us and to actually use them, to not just sit on the sidelines, but actually serving God actively, using them for God's glory. So they're not lacking any gift, and they're waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that the Lord is coming back, and in what's referred to as the second coming, that this world is not the end, but that there is eternal life to come. That Jesus is going to return, set everything right, uh, the millennial kingdom, and then the new heavens and new earth and eternity that we get to experience with him. But until then, or as long as we live, we need to be using the gifts that God's given us to be a testimony to him through this world so more people can come to know Jesus Christ and to be saved from their sins and be able to go to heaven someday. Verse 8 Paul says that that God isn't just leaving them. He doesn't just get people saved and then just leave them where they are. He continues to work on you, to improve you, to help you. So verse 8 says, Who shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, God, it it, it would be cruel for God to just save us and then just to, to just leave us alone for the rest of our life until we until we die. The more merciful thing would be to let us go to heaven as soon as we're saved. But that's not his plan. His plan is to help us improve while we're here in this life and so that we can be a testimony and share the gospel with others so that they can be saved. But Paul is saying here that God is going to keep working on you. You aren't perfect yet. Even Paul says in Philippians that he wasn't perfect, that he still had uh, growing to do. and and. That's what God does for the rest of our life. He keeps growing us, strengthening us, helping us get closer to him so that we can understand him better. And Paul is thankful for that, that God is going to keep working on us all the way to the end. And 
And so that we can be closer to him and we can trust him more and we can serve him better and we can glorify him as he deserves that glory. And verse nine says, God is faithful. God is faithful actually regardless of our actions. He is always faithful. Uh, we, we are supposed to be faithful as well. We're supposed to be faithful believers who are serving him and, and are, are doing right and having victory over sin. But even if we fail, God is still faithful and he's going to keep working on us. He's going to convict us of our sins so that we can uh, ask forgiveness of them and repent of them so that we can have a right relationship with him. And he's going to continue to encourage us to keep growing closer to him. He says, God is faithful in verse nine, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We get to have fellowship with our Savior, Jesus. We get to have fellowship, a friendship with the creator of the universe. We get to have a relationship. And, and this one who is all-powerful and all-knowing and, and just so great and majestic, he wants to have a, a growing relationship with you. He wants you to talk to him in prayer. He wants to talk to you through his word. And he wants us to have fellowship with each other. And fellowship with each other means that we are, that we are encouraging each other in the word and encouraging each other to grow closer to him. And this is a privilege and something to be thankful for. And that's where Paul ends his thanksgiving that we get to have a relationship with Jesus, the one who can help us, the one who died for your sins, the one who is strengthening you to, to live this life better than you could ever live it on your own. We have so many things to be thankful for, but we need to remember that we are in Christ, that we are servants of him, and that we are supposed to be living to his glory. And he is helping us by his grace to strengthen us, to help us, to encourage us, to grow us into the people that he knows that we can be so much better than we can ever imagine. And so that's the, the end of, of this first section. And Lord willing, we'll, we'll pick it up from there next time.